Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Um, so we're at the last class of our jhana meditation structured study. Uh, this is the Simsapa Sutta, the Sutta on a handful of leaves. Uh, some or all of you have probably heard me teach it uh, once or maybe even more than once. Um, and it's a fairly simple sutta to understand and it's good to hear it a few times. And it's particularly useful at the end of any long structured study because it puts the point on how important it is to keep Dhamma practice pure as the Buddha taught it and not try to incorporate other things. And so you'll hear in this sutta where the Buddha is referring to uh, that he knows a lot of things through his own direct knowledge, but he doesn't bring them into his Dhamma class because they're unrelated. So in modern times, Siddhartha might have been somebody who also enjoyed um, Qigong and, uh, and, uh, and poetry and maybe even something... Uh, that he found meditative, like uh, uh, painting, for instance, you know, painting or any kind of painting, doesn't really matter. He found other things that are helpful and beneficial to his life. Opera music, he listens to opera, all these things that modern people might do. But we, or we might have favorite authors or other teachers of other religions, or I might have been brought, brought up a Catholic and now I'm developing the Dhamma. What the Buddha is teaching us is all those other things that we might have direct knowledge of and be fond of or find useful are just that. They're part of something else. They're not part of the Dhamma. So let me read the sutta. And again, this is a sutta, one among many, that uh, is reflected in the way that I teach and run the classes and run the Sangha. Because, you know, this, this isn't the only sutta where the Buddha says, I teach one thing and don't attach other things to it. On one occasion, the Buddha was staying with a group of disciples in a simsapa, that's an Indian rosewood forest in Kasambi. He reached down, picking up a handful of leaves. He then asked those gathered, What is greater in number, the leaves in my hand or those in the trees? And the disciples replied, The leaves in your hand are few. The trees have many more. So again, it's a beautiful metaphor that the, the Siddhartha uses. Just as the, the Buddha says, just as the leaves and the trees are more numerous, the things that I know from direct knowledge, yoga, music, chanting, maybe prayer or anything, the things that I know from direct knowledge are far more numerous. The universe is always expanding, for instance, are far more numerous than what I, than what I teach as my Dhamma. The reason I do not teach these other things is that they are not part of my Dhamma, they are not related to my Dhamma, and they do not support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. In other words, they have nothing to do with the Eightfold Path, so he doesn't teach them as part of an Eightfold Path. Now, that's not to say that the Buddha might, might uh, after the evening meditation, get together with Sariputta and talk about what King, King Vasambi has just done, you know, uh, raise some taxes on tea leaves or something as a matter of conversation. Or he might, he might say to Mogalana, 
I just noticed another star next to that big bright one up there. Again, he doesn't talk about that in any class because it has nothing to do with the Dhamma. It's interesting, the Buddha didn't live this extremely cloistered life. He lived in the world and he lived of the world, but he never got distracted from the Dhamma. The Dhamma is something, as we learned in the Nagara Sutta and many others, he awakened to, carried with him throughout the rest of his life, and it's what he taught for his entire life. These other things do not lead to disenchantment, to dispassion, to calm, to direct knowledge, to cessation, or to self-awakening. In other words, tonight's or, or tomorrow's yoga class might be pleasant, and I might be looking forward to it. It's important to remember that while pleasant and maybe healthy, it doesn't lead to self-awakening. We practice the Dhamma because that is what leads to self-awakening. Then the Buddha says, these other things do not lead to unbinding from views ignorant of four noble truths. Then he says, I teach these four noble truths. This is stress, meaning recognize and understand stress. This is the origination of stress, meaning recognize a craving for and clinging to fabricated views of self in relation to the world, create stress, the origination of stress. We understand the, the cessation of stress, meaning that these four noble truths relate directly to impermanence and the fact that we can end stress ourselves. And the Eightfold Path, the noble truth of the Eightfold Path is the path developing the cessation of stress. So there's no fifth noble path, noble, noble truth here. In other words, the Buddha doesn't say the fourth noble truth is the eightfold path is the path developing the cessation of stress, and the fifth noble path is anything that interests you, or anything that distracts you, or anything that you're that you're clinging to. The eightfold path is a limiting path that brings direct knowledge of the four noble truths. Period. Meaning that's all that we need to awaken to develop full human maturity. Then there's still the whole gamut of life to experience now as an awakened human being. And as we talked before, before class, and then a single encounter with another human being can be so meaningful because we're present for it. Because we don't need the other person to be different. We don't need ourselves to be different. We don't need the worldly situations to be different. We can just live a human life understanding in each and every moment, there's a possibility there will be dukkha. But I can understand it now. I won't be distracted by it. Then the Buddha said, this is what I teach. And he tells us why. I teach these things because they are related to my Dhamma and they support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. And that's why I teach the Dhamma the reason, the way I do, because I learned it from, as best as I could discern, from the guy that started all this. And the reason why I don't bring other things into our class is, to be, is because of that. Because they would not support the principles of a life integrated with the Eightfold Path. I've had incredible experiences throughout my life. Some that I would, in the past, I would say are incredibly mystical. For one thing, I, I don't put much weight to them anymore, but I don't bring them into class because they're not related to, the, to, to Dhamma class. Um, let me continue. These things that I teach lead directly to disenchantment. Disenchantment with the self, disenchanted with my own ideas. It's an apt word, meaning disenchantment is the counter to being enchanted, isn't it? 
mesmerized by my own thoughts. That's where the, the word enchantment and mesmerization go together. Mesmer was the guy that, that, that popularized hypnotism and mass hypnotism. We become mesmerized. We become mesmerized or hypnotized by our own fabrications. But the Dhamma leads to disenchantment. It leads to dispassion, the ending of eye-making, to calm. I got a, a great uh, email from, from one of our other students, Sangha members, asking, what's the Buddha's description of calm? The Buddha's description of calm is a mind that is free of conflict. And, excuse me, when my mind is conflict, there is now no possibility of me introducing conflict in the world. That doesn't mean that what I teach and how I hold myself in the world might inadvertently create conflict in someone else. The Buddha created great conflict in his, in his cousin Devadaha, so much so that Devadaha tried twice to kill him. But the Buddha was living within the framework of the Eightfold Path. He was sensitive to what Devadaha was about, but he still maintained the Dhamma, which was the most important thing, to stay integrated with the Eightfold Path and live with compassion married with wisdom. These things that I teach, the Buddha says, lead directly to unbinding from views ignorant of Four Noble Truths, directly. They don't circumvent the, the, the whole point of the Dhamma. They don't lead us around in circles or point us down the utopic path that has nothing to do with developing the Dhamma. Then he says, this is why I teach these things. Again, to develop unbinding from views ignorant of Four Noble Truths. A declarative statement. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're here on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening doing this. This is the point. This is why I teach these things as well. And then he says, so this is your practice. And I would ask each and every one of you, <laughs> there's only five of us here today, to, as I'm saying this, ask yourself, it's a quick, easy yes or no answer, can you do this for yourself? Can you, can you accomplish these tasks that the Buddha's charging us with and I'm charging you with? So this is our practice, understanding stress, understanding the origination of stress, experiencing the cessation of stress, you experience it every moment during right meditation or jhana meditation, and can you develop the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of stress? So that's the end of the sutta, and that is the basis for our discussion. So um, again, just to synopsize again, this is a very simple path. We can all understand it through this sutta, exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. We understand why we don't bring other things into our Dhamma practice, whether it's in class or off our cushion, and cling to something that might be uh, healthy or even mentally beneficial, mental health-wise, and adapt that or cling it to our or include it as part of our Dhamma practice. And again, that doesn't mean that when we're done here, you shouldn't go to yoga class or Qigong class or listen to music or even listen to some other teacher if you choose. It means to understand that, that, that even the Dalai Lama is not teaching this aspect of the Eightfold Path. In fact, he, he never has taught the Eightfold Path. But I, I'm not, again, not a knock on a Dalai Lama. If you like what he has to say and you're 
inspired or take pleasure in his words or anybody else, go ahead and listen to him. But understand that he's teaching something different than what Siddhartha Gautama teaches and we're, we're learning here. That is, a, and again, the reason why I emphasize that so often, maybe to the point of you know, distraction, is because it's so important. And it's the one thing that made a difference in my Dhamma practice. Remember, I had a head full of clinging to different practices and an endless number of meditation things that I was doing. I won't even call them disciplines because they really weren't. A head full of clinging to different ideas that I thought were important. And I had to let go or at least compartmentalize the Eightfold Path as my practice if I was going to develop develop it to the point where it was useful. And at that point, this came up with this discussion with this other student, at that point I lost interest, complete interest, in what other teachers are teaching. And, and all that that means is I stopped searching for answers for myself because I had found it through my own direct experience and direct knowledge. Now, as I said to this other student, one of the questions that he asked was, his statement was, I like, I understand that Siddhartha Gautama awakened. I can accept that. But I don't accept that there's not other people that have come into our human existence, you know, come and gone, had a life, had a human life, that didn't teach something that might be more useful or interesting. What do I do about it? My answer was, you should... If you think there's benefit there for you, you should listen to it and put your effort into it. But also understand that your Eightfold Path practice is something different than those other things. Now, again, just using myself as an example, the only reason I'm reading suttas today is so I can continue my restoration work. I'm not interested in another teaching in that manner. But I, I still have a lot of interest. I have a, a stack of audiobooks, you know, to my wish list to get to. But they, to me, they have more to do with um, with what's going on in the world today. Like I'm reading uh, divergent books, contradictory books on climate change, because I find both view, both both views interesting and applicable. Uh, and I know you don't need to hear my whole list of books, but th- but that's what I'm interested in. Be- and I don't get into philosophical or religious teachings because I don't need them. I found my answer. It's worked for me. And it's developed in me what Siddhartha promised would happen if I practice his Dhamma as he taught. It's developed a conflict-free mind. Mostly. <laughs> So let's uh, let's uh, let's. Start. I only get conflicted when I when Dominic brings up these questions that I can't answer. No, just kidding. You, you all of you have such great questions, Dominic. What do you have to say for yourself today? And I'd love to hear another oh. great question. <laughs> really, yeah. I'm curious. Um, well, I heard this teaching a lot of times, and I read it a lot of times, and to be honest, it's it's a little bit confusing for me. Because on one hand, it's great. Okay, so I'm not saying that the Eightfold Path is easy, but it's much easier than, you know, following the whole religion and, you know, studying everything from A to Z. But on the other hand, even the Buddha acknowledged that there are a lot, and I mean a lot of other things uh, that are true, but 
not necessarily uh, meaningful for yeah. for salvation, whatever. Uh, and I remember this um, uh, Western guy trying to be a monk, and they were sitting outside one evening and uh, they noticed a bright star in, and it was moving, you know. And he explained to the others because these were, you know, poor people who with no official knowledge of uh, how the work, uh, world uh, works. Uh, it's a satellite. And they were, what the hell is a satellite? And he started to explain to them, you do know that the Earth is round. And they didn't know that, you know. And he explained to them everything, you know, how it works, why the star is moving. And this elderly monk wasn't impressed. And he said, well, your teaching has nothing to do with uh, relieving stress, you know, with, with, with what Buddha taught, you know. And I don't know. I find that confusing because I might be confused because I see something that I don't understand. In the, and if someone explains it to me, then the confusion is gone. So yeah. maybe I do need more than the eightfold path, you know, to to accept or understand other things, you know. I Maybe I don't need just to be stress-free, but in order to be stress-free, I need to understand other things that are not described in the eightfold path, if you know what I mean. I, I don't, I know exactly what you mean, and it's a really good question. The, the, uh, the Eightfold Path brings knowledge of Four Noble Truths. The study of astronomy brings knowledge of the stars. Or you could maybe, maybe rocketry if you're interested in how a satellite got there, right? So if you want to understand stress, you develop the Eightfold Path. If you want to understand satellites, you, you, you study the science of satellites. It's it, again, it's two separate, it's two distinct things. And so, if you're distressed, yeah. wait a minute. If you're distressed, <laughs> okay. If you're distressed because you don't know how a satellite got there, then you have to recognize it's because you want yourself to be different in that moment. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. You're the one that's causing the stress, and the eightfold path gives you that understanding. Now, it would also inform you that if you want to understand satellites don't judge yourself harshly and don't think you're lacking because you don't know it study it and then you'll know and so again you it, it's almost silly but not quite because there are people that would judge themselves as foolish or stupid or something because i don't understand how a satellite got there so it creates stress in their mind and we could create a situation that I can't be happy until I understand how a satellite got into space. So you could study that and understand how a satellite got into space, but you didn't resolve the issue that said you had to do that in the first place. So the next time you see a purple light go by in the, in, in the sky instead of a white one, now you're going to be distressed because you don't understand where the purple satellite came from. But if you develop the Dhamma, you would just say, ah, something else to learn. You wouldn't judge yourself harshly. Do you see the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to say that, yeah, no, no, you explained it well, so, yeah. 
I think I got it. <laughs> yeah, so if you have if you have stress about the things you don't know, develop the Dhamma, because then you'll be at peace with the things that you don't know. Just as the Buddha, and by inference, he's saying there's a lot of things that he didn't know, but he didn't worry about it either. You know, and I, I mentioned this earlier, there's a lot of things that I don't know about climate change, and I'm interested about it, so I'm reading about it. I'm not distressed that I have some more knowledge to gain about it. You know, I, I'm, it, in fact, it's, 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 a, it's a pleasurable aspect of my life in this moment, you know. It's what I'm doing. So I'm not distressed that I don't know it, and I don't, I don't, I'm in no rush to get to the end of a pile of books, so I do know it, so I have all this knowledge. And I don't care if you know that I have all the, you know, it's just, it's what I do. So it, it's such an important question, but it also shows how to practice. Let me take time to practice, and if I'm, if I'm interested in astronomy or, or gardening, okay, I'll learn about gardening and astronomy or anything else, too, you know, but it's not part of my Eightfold Path practice. But my Eightfold Path will allow me to bring understanding into everything that I do in life. So that, that's why that's such an important question, Dominic. So thank you. Yeah. Anything else you would like to ask or bring? No, not at the moment, thanks. I'm always available, my friend. Uh, we'll go in order. Who came on? Jeff, how are you? Well, thank you, John. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a simple suda. Uh, not easy, necessarily, but simple. Um, it's kind of deceptive in its simplicity. Yeah. So, uh, you know, lately I've been experiencing, in a way, sort of, sort of the opposite of what Dom was questioning, in that I, I find, I, I do get curious about things, and, um, but I find that annoying at this point, because it's, <laughs> I feel like it's more of a distraction, you know, yeah. I am curious about this, I do want to read or listen to this book or research that subject, but at the same time, I, I'd rather not be curious about that, because it just seems like it disturbs what little equilibrium I can muster, you know, and I've had, you know, I've been absent a few times here lately from our discussions, but because I've had family visiting, you know, I, I, I shouldn't be annoyed by that, but at the same time, <clears throat> I'm perfectly happy just here in my yeah. quiet office study, yep. the Dom. So, yeah, that's that's. The, I guess the only comments I've got. It's 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 sort of you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Some ways. <laughs> well, it, it, again, thank you, Jeff. And it, it might not, this might not relate directly to you, but it, it it might just be that you need just a bit more calm in your life. I mean, meaning in your mind, not externally. Um, but yeah, with the the things uh, feeding the intellect is as much of an addiction as anything else. And sometimes that can be pretty supple. It's subtle, not supple. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been, you know, I, I've been guilty of that my whole life. One, I mean, I've had a, uh, I think I mentioned, I, me and my grandmother taught me to read before I got to, to kindergarten. I just had this, I just wanted to. And she somehow she taught me or I, I worked with her because I always wanted to learn. 
And my whole life, I, I read myself to sleep until I overcame the addiction, which was only about eight years ago. In other words, I had to read to go to sleep. Uh, maybe that's why I've had insomnia for the last four years. But I, again, I've overcome it, and I've rec- and I've I've um, I found a way to live at peace within my own head, which is incredibly curious. But I've been able to calm it. I've been able to recognize the eye making in me wanting to learn just to just to have, just for empirical knowledge. That you know to pile to own one idea onto another, and that was going to make me a big head. You know, it was somehow going to add to me. So now I read purely for pleasure, purely for my own enjoyment, and I really love it. You know, more than I ever had before. It's just so enjoyable. But I also do it um, in a in a rather reasonable way. You know, it's like when I do it. I've said often that if if people looked at my life. If there was a drone following me around just for 24 hours, most people would probably blow their, I don't want to use that term, would, would, they would find it uh, brutally uh, uneventful. And I love it, you know, I love it. Tom, how are you today? Thank you, Jeff. Um, so, yeah, I'll focus on the words that I quite like. I, I, I can't hear you, Tom. I don't know, is it my end? Ah, Jeff. Can you not hear me at all, or is it... Just, is it you're very, very uh, uh, quiet. Maybe, Matteo, Matteo, speak. I'll try and fix my audio. Um, just give me a moment. If Matteo, if you want to go ahead of me. Hey, Matteo. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like what you say, Dominic, also, Jeff. It's, uh, uh, what I can say, like... I think like curiosity is a good thing, especially for studying the yeah. Dharma, because like without that, uh, uh, but then like I think we need to be careful. The usual middle way, no? We need to be careful, like especially in our society, to have like a, a kind of bulimic in learning yeah. everything, no? We learn everything about every topic, so be the best, uh, and whatever we see in a newspaper, a media, an inter, we need to know and know and know. And then I think that's probably like. Beside not to be a true knowledge, probably is also like a big distraction. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you say like, yeah, if you want to learn about subtle life, because it's pure enjoyment, say like, and you have, I don't know, your personal reason is good. But then like to learn is something like just because you, somebody told you about the subtle life, that's it became very silly. It, yeah. It's like, it doesn't, I don't think, we need also to be very, you know, humble to say, like, we cannot know everything in this yep. world. There are too many topics, too many things, too many concepts. And also, like, everybody is, is limited. For example, for me, it's like, I'm very bad in anything that is about mathematics. So if you tell me, about, I don't know, engineering, physical, this stuff, like, even when I, I try, you know, I try my best because, like, I thought that you, ne- you need to know also this thing, but for me, it was just like a nightmare. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, what, what's the point? Yeah, and um, and I guess it's good to admit when somebody's ignorant of that, and also like come back what you said, John, about the Dalai Lama, all this stuff. Right? It's good to to discriminate that to say, okay, he can be is a good guy. Yeah, can give it like a, a good, good, yeah, good in good uh, good topic sometimes. But is we need to know, okay, but that is not the true Dharma. Yeah, for me, yeah. 
I, again, it, it, the, the Dalai Lama is a great example from, from, from my perspective. I think he's an incredible human being, given his life and what he's, uh, what, that he's balanced being as the spiritual and the, uh, the, the, the governmental leader of Tibet. In his whole lifetime, the Chinese have been against him working against him, trying to, you know, trying to destroy what he's, the, the balance he's created there. It's gotten out of hand now, but it's just a remarkable man. He doesn't have anything to teach me as far as Buddhism is concerned. That doesn't diminish him in my eyes at all, you know, but that, that, and he's an interesting person. The idea of curiosity getting out of hand is the, the thirst for intellectual knowledge is the same as the thirst for the next beer or the next piece of pie. You know, it's, it's still the, an acquisition of things or it's simply a consequence of enjoying my life. It, to, to, uh, when I'm dead, I don't, you know, I, won't, I don't think I'll care too much about reading six books on climate change. <laughs> no, why would I? Or if I'm if I find myself a being on another planet without climate, I wouldn't. You know, I, this it's interesting to me because that's where I live. By the way, one of the books is Simon Mundy's, and it's it's outstanding. Is it? Uh, and I I met with him too. He's a great guy. Um, so, you know, again, it could be anything. It could be could be wood woodworking. It it could be, you know, pot. It could be anything. You know, it doesn't matter. It's part of our human life. We're here to enjoy our lives. And participate in it. We're not. We, we just don't need to be dis, uh, distracted by it or enchanted by any of it. You know. So. Thank you, Matteo. Please. I will tell you one piece. It's uh, about the Dalai Lama. I met him. Uh, I remember like a good chat with him when I was 80 years old. Wow. Because in Italy he wasn't famous at all back at the time, and I happened by chance I was his neighbor in this tiny monastery in Milan. Really. No idea was the guy talking about ignorance. No idea who was this guy. I saw the guy who was walking his robe and it was like a naughty boy. You know, I just look at this guy and, and, uh, and ask him, like, why are you dressing a silly way? I told him. You asked this at the Dalai Lama? Yeah, I told that to the Dalai Lama. It was very fun because he laughed, he laughed a lot. This guy, we have like a good chat, 20 minutes. And after that, another monk told me, do you know that you speak in a very bad way to the Dalai Lama? And it's like, I'm broke. No idea who is this guy. Then I just explain it. I think I got into Buddhism somehow thanks to that silly conversation with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I bet you he took no offense at the way you talked to him, because that. I mean, no, no. It was like, invite me to the monastery. Yeah. I say like, oh, I, sorry, I don't care about. It sounds boring. And told me. He just replied me. Oh, you should come. We also have like a karate class. That is more fun. Yeah. <laughs> he he always seems like. I mean, he never seemed. Uh, at all in any way self-aggrandizing a very very humble man you know he in that way he remind me of of gandhi or uh, nelson you know those kind of nelson mandela those kind of people that are very prominent have done a lot for their people and yet they're you know they're very self-effacing so yeah, yeah i'd love to meet him some someday you know, and sit down and have a talk i wonder if i could convince him that he, he's practicing the wrong buddhism i I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't try that. I, I, certainly out of respect for what he's done. Tom, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't have to tell you. Were you finished? I'm sorry. I might have... <laughs> it's, better. No, it's, it's better now, the audio. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask um, Matteo if, uh, if he laughed when you, when you said that comment because 
the Dalai Lama has the world's best laugh. He has yes. A, he's got this brilliant distinctive laugh, which uh, <laughs> you're, quite, you're quite lucky to have heard that first, uh, first hand. Um, so, so, yeah, so a um, couple of things. Um, first of all, Simon, um, uh, in fact, I'll tell you later, but hopefully Simon will come with me to the uh, retreat. Oh, wow. He's, he's moving to New York, so hopefully he can join. But anyway, we can talk about that another another time. Yeah, if he's coming to New York, he'd come to our center. Yeah, he's, he's moving to New York to live there. So, oh, uh, that's great. Well, and I want to, if you have it, if you have two minutes after class, if you could, if you don't, we can do it another time. Sure. sure. <laughs> okay. So um, the, uh, the word I wanted to focus on was uh, disenchanted or the concept of being enchanted, which you sort of um, translated as, um, or the synonym you gave was mesmerized, which I, I found quite interesting because it, again, I always try to apply the teachings to my, the most recent events in my life. And um, yeah, good. just before class, I went to the gym. I mean, I, I'm not really into the gym, but I just go occasionally to, you know, keep my body a bit active. And, um, I was uh, I was wearing a T-shirt that wasn't very flattering on my stomach, and you're in a you're in a um, you're in a gym where you know everybody's like ripped and you know muscle vests and everything, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't I don't look as good as I used to, um, and um, I had this like spare tire around my stomach, like just a small one, but still, and um, and I spent the next sort of twenty minutes, you know, doing abs abdominal crunches and stuff and I had this dream in my mind of like shredding my stomach and you know I was suddenly thinking oh you know in two months I can get rid of this I'm just going to eat soup every day and it was just crazy thoughts that came into my head and um you know and then fortunately I came to Dharma I came to the Dharma soon after and I was you know, reminded it. It just reminds you how mesmerizing that yeah. idea is. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. the Dharma is so simple. And deep down, I know that what I want is to self self awaken. Um, and everything makes utter sense to me um, in terms of what I learned with the Dharma. But it's just amazing how mesmerizing all yeah. kinds of ideas are just coming. And it feels like more. It's a more sort of attractive or sexy option, right? Is to get the six pack. Oh, don't worry about awakening. Get the six pack. Yeah. Uh, even though, of course, the six pack is going to, in no way, re it really change the quality of my life in any meaningful way. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, that's what that's what I sort of um, you know reflected on today. Is, yeah. is just coming back. It's, I mean, that's what these classes are all about, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is coming back to reminding yourself of what really matters and, and, and where to focus your time. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that question, you know, can I do this for myself? Well, I can. Yes. Um, I think we all can. It's, we just have to um, stay focused and disenchanted by those alternative, um, you know, seductive um, um objectives that we keep setting ourselves yeah. and then focus on what really matters and then devote time to it. So yeah, that's what, that's, that's all I, what I, I have. I, thank you so much, Tom. That was just a perfect example of, of Dhamma practice, wise restraint in this moment. You recognize, you need to describe it so well, just because you had the, I, the thought 
of six-pack abs, you were enchanted and mesmerized. You went with the thought. It was more important in that moment than self-awakening. And then you applied the Dhamma. You said, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not me. But for some people, that drives their whole life. I have a, well, I won't say who it isn't to me, but I have a uh, someone I've known my whole life who used to have a six-pack ab, and he was proud of it. In fact, he used to show it off at, uh, he, I'll never hear this, he used to show it off at, we used to have these huge family picnics on the 4th of July, and he'd always lift up his shirt. And now, you know, he's 74, and all he talks about is how he doesn't have a six-pack ab anymore. He spent his whole life either trying to have something or lamenting that he doesn't have it. And he's had a remarkable life outside of that. And that's all he talks about is his lack of it now, you know. And it's sad. It's sad, but we also laugh. In fact, when I want a good laugh, I give him a call because not laughing at him. <laughs> um, it points out to the absurdity, though, isn't it, of how the, the important things that we have, even maybe when we're younger, we grow out of it. But the things that we think are important in our lives that are so much more important than becoming rightly self-awakened when all of those other things will have so much more meaning. If I have a six-pack ab or not, you know, it'll, it'll have meaning one way or the other, whether I have it or not. It doesn't matter. So I asked the question that Tom answered. Do, do, do Dominic, Jeff, or Matteo, do you think you can't develop the Dhamma as it's expressed in this sutta? No, you can't or you can Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, well, that's what that's what the continued practice in our next class is about. So we'll finish with uh, with Meta. Um, I will. Uh, we're going to start another structured study. I'm not quite sure which way we're going to go right now. I want to put a little bit more thought uh, into it. Um, it might just be a, a three class study on refuge, which might be a good one for us. But we'll finish with Meta as we always do. So again, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, 
spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.